You're listening to Soho Radio's Culture Channel. On SohoRadioLondon.com. This is us in the room. It's raining. It's Soho. It's Saturday. It's Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm here, Selena Gordon, and I'm here in the studio with my friends. Amarose. And Matt Abbott. And we're so excited to be back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome yourself. I'm so happy to be back physically with you guys after I think it is the last time we made the show together was January. Yeah, January with Tim Wells and Scarlett Sabet. Last time three of us were together, yeah. That's January 2020. Yeah, that's a long time ago. That was episode two, this is episode 18. So So we've done 16 shows in lockdown at my kitchen table or on Zoom. Or on Zoom, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much to the listeners out there that have been following our lockdown programmes and our locked-in shows. And here we are together, reunited in Soho, in the actual studio. I'm so excited. Can you hear it in my voice? <laughs> yeah, and this show we have for you Matt's Poetry Roundup, we've got Selena's Booklist, and we've got My Art Roundup, and the usual amazing readings, recordings, and songs. But first, let's open the show with a bit of a stonking track. What are we starting with this month? Uh, Where's my jumper? Where is my jumper? It's raining, it's May. Why are we needing a jumper? (laughs) Where's my jumper? Let's go. My brother knows Karl Marx. He made the bleeding mushrooms in the people's park. He said, what do you think about my manifesto? I like a manifesto, put it to the test. So took a trip down to meet the anarchist party. I met a goofy guy, he was hardy party. He said, I know a little Latin and a kiss and a kite. Said, I don't know what it means. He said, neither do I. Eat natural food, bathe twice daily. Fill your nostrils up with gravy. Don't drink tea and don't drink coffee. Cover your chin in Yorkshire toffee. Dancing in the disco, bumper to bumper. Wait a minute. Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Where's me jumper? Dancing in the disco, bumper to bumper. Wait a minute. Where's me jumper? 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 I know. Dancing at the disco Go, go, go Dancing at the disco Oh no, oh no, oh no Dancing at the disco Go, go, go Dancing at the disco Oh no, oh no It's alright to say things can only get better You have lost your brand new sweater I know I had it on when I had my tea And I saw I had it on in the laboratory Oh no Dancing in the disco Go, go, go Dancing in the disco Oh no, oh no Dancing in the disco Bump, bounce, bump, bump 
Wait a minute. Where's the jumper? 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 It's all right to say things can only get better. You have lost your brand new sweater. Pure new wool and perfect stitches. Not the type of jumper that makes you itches. Oh no. Dancing in the disco. Go, go, go. Dancing in the disco. Oh no, oh no, and my mother will be so, so angry. And my brother will be so, so angry. And my girlfriend will be so, so angry. And my dog will be so, so angry. Cause I was dancing at the disco, bum, bum, Wait a minute, where's the jumper? 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 Oh no! Welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm Emma Rose. I'm here with Selena Gordon and Matt Abbott, and um, we are back live in Soho. Um, so, what have you guys been up to this month? Um, I've been hosting loads of online events uh, as usual. I think I've reached 50 online events now since I started. I've been doing the Insta sessions for a year, which is weird. I can't imagine my Tuesday nights without them. Um, and then I've been doing loads of teaching as well. So I went into the, a school for the first time during the week. But then I've done been doing online workshops in like Qatar, Denmark, all of it shops. So it's been really, really busy. But um, obviously being in, in a venue is much more exciting. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Well, I've just been sort of enjoying this feeling of, um, I feel like I've been in a cocoon for a long time and I'm just feeling my little wings just kind of slowly, slowly getting strong enough to break through the cocoon and start flying again. Um, so I've got some lovely new events and some gigs and some real live things um, that are happening. And my favourite phrase, do you know that um, a collection of lots of butterflies is called a kaleidoscope of butterflies? Really? That's so beautiful. So I've got this picture in my head of everyone coming out of their cocoons and just slowly getting their wings strong enough so we can all fly into this new, healthy, beautiful summer, beautiful festivals, amazing events. I'll be telling you about some amazing events and gigs and fun things later on in the show. But yeah, well done everyone for getting stronger and stronger and taking some time to let your wings get big (laughs) and heal and be amazing colours. Yeah, I would love seeing everybody walk around with their long hair and their battered trainers. <laughs> <laughs> As everybody kind of is a bit different, you know. Uh, to know. It's just kind of, it's lovely to see, you know. I just, I'm really enjoying seeing everyone kind of emerge as well. With me, with the art world, galleries have opened with shops, non-essential shops. So um been going to do some face-to-face stuff for the first time in a long time, which has been great. I've um, I wrote an article for Elephant, which I think we spoke about at Christmas, and it came out really, really recently, and that was focusing on two African artists, Otis Kwako and um, Kwesi Bokchwe, and that was really exciting, the launch of Elephant magazine. And apart from that, I'm doing my kind of usual features. I wrote quite an interesting one about artists leaving London. So many people have left London including Matt. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's like, but like, we're just trying Traitor. to see like, what does, what can the city offer to lure them back or to keep them kind of like, you know, to keep people interested in London. Cause really that, you know, 
when you take away the kind of element of seeing people face to face, you can see the p- appeal for living outside the capital because you kind of there's a lot offered outside London, right? Yeah, I've I've noticed that a lot of organisations from businesses to like art organisations are moving out of London and sort of. It, things are being spread out a little bit more evenly, I think, around the country, which is great for the UK, obviously. Yeah. I'll always love London. It'll always have a really special place in my heart. I've got... It's just the rent, like, and the property prices that I just could not afford it. And as an artist, I think when you're in London and you're doing stuff all the time, you sort of justify it to yourself. But after a year of not doing it, I was like, this is just not sustainable. So it's heartbreaking, really, but I'll always love London. I'll still come down every month for this, obviously. Yes. But like in Leeds, like we've got the Channel 4 headquarters coming up. We're opening the, um, I say we, <laughs> uh, we're opening the National Poetry Centre, which is going to be amazing in Leeds. And like loads of things like that are spreading up, up north and around. So it's exciting in general, but London's always going to be number one in it, I think. Yeah. I agree with you. Very exciting. But yeah, London. <laughs> um, but yeah, now we're going to have a Girl Like You by Edwin Collins.
things with a girl like you. Uh, I absolutely love Edwin Collins. Uh, we've just been chatting about him whilst that song played out. Um, obviously, that's one of his solo tracks, but all of his stuff with Orange Juice, um, some of his the, the albums that he's produced as well. He produced the Cribs second album, the Cribs post-bunk band from, from Wakefield, where I'm from. Um, yeah, Edwin Collins, a girl like you. So now we're going to have my roundup from the world of spoken word poetry going to start off with five events that I've picked out. There are tons of events all over the world, but most of them you can watch in your pants, which is still enjoyable just for a little bit longer, I think. <laughs> um, so the, the entire month of May, we've got Writing on the Wall Festival, known as WowFest. Uh, this is usually a festival that takes place in Liverpool. Obviously, this month it's online. And it's their 21st anniversary, so 21 years of championing radical writing. Mm. Um it's it's quite an amazing thing that they've built up over, over 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 the years. Like writing on the wall was one of the first festivals that I became aware of. Like as a writer, um, you can get a festival ticket for forty quid, so you can go to every single event for the whole month for forty quid. Um, and I know it's already started, but there's still so many amazing things to see. Um, we've got uh, Lady Phil, Michael Rosen, uh, Ken Loach, Linton Quasi Johnson, Joel Taylor, Cortier Newland, um, and towards the end of the month on the twenty eighth of May, Selena Godden uh, will be. Speaking speaking about Mrs. Deaf, Mrs. Deaf with Jordan Stevens from Rizzle Kicks. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. I think I've done Wellfest, well, I've done I've done it quite a few years now and it really is a real highlight um, to go up to Liverpool and to have adventures and to meet all the great writers. So yeah, I'm really excited about this show and I get to talk to Jordan, who's a, just a total legend. So I'm really looking forward to that one. Yeah, that'll be great. Great way to round off the festival, I think, with that. That's a, I think it's a Friday night as well, isn't it? So yeah, that's going to be good fun. Um, um, yeah, I love, I love Wildfest. Um, on Thursday, this coming Thursday the 13th, uh, Right Out Loud are hosting the first of their series of spoken sessions. So you have to subscribe to their Patreon page to get access, but subscriptions start from £3 a month, so it's dead cheap. Um, and up first is Sherston Luckins and Will Harris, which is a banging lineup. So that's Right Out Loud spoken sessions. You can see it from Thursday night by subscribing to their Patreon page, uh, patreon.com forward slash WOL poetry. And then the following night on Friday, Bad Bet. I'm always giving Bad Betty a shout out, but it's impossible not to. Yeah, they um, do put out amazing books. They do, don't yeah, they? Man, like yeah, over the last year or so, everything, even just like the design and stuff, it's just yeah. it's so exciting what really they're doing. Good work. So this pamphlet launch on Friday the fourteenth is um, Tanatse Gambora and S Nirashini. Uh, Tanatse's pamphlet is called Things I Have Forgotten Before, and S Nirashini's is called Darling Girl. That's free, and they've got a ton of, of wonderful guests reading as part of that as well. So that's on Friday the 14th. It's a Zoom Zoom webinar, so I think you can just tune in and you're not on camera or anything. Um, yeah, that's through Bad Betty, so follow them. Uh, I'll give a shout-out to Luke Wright, one of the hardest-working poets uh, on the scene. He's here, there, and everywhere from now... Don't beg your pardon. One of the hardest-working, <laughs> not the hardest-working. Oh. He gets an honourable... <laughs> He gets an honourable mention. Sorry, I had to dig. I just put a dig. No, in. I know, yeah. I know. Obviously, you're the artist working. <laughs> no, I'm not. Luke's, Luke's sort of like, you know, like, yeah, honourable mention. Yeah. He's like in the top five, maybe. <laughs> um, he's absolutely everywhere from this month onwards. Like, his tour schedule pretty much doesn't stop from this month until for the rest of the year. So uh, he's in, like, Corsham, 21st of May. Clevedon, 11th of June, Ventnor, 27th of July, Penzance, 21st of August, Nottingham, 9th of September. These are just selected highlights. He's around the whole of the UK. I don't think he's ever going to get out of his car, to be honest. So, <laughs> fair play to him. <laughs> and then, something I'm really excited about, uh, from the 6th 
to the 31st of July. The Last Word Festival returns to the Roundhouse, so that's taking place in taking place in person in the Roundhouse. Um, the Last Word is a wonderful festival of like spoken word and theatre and really political stuff. Um, they've got the Poetry Slam, which is iconic. Uh, Inua Elms is going to be there. Yomi Sod, um, Rakaya Fatuga, Cecilia Knapp. Uh, so it's a really, really strong lineup, and it's in person at the Roundhouse, which is one oh. of the best venues in London, anyway. Yeah, it's it it really amazing. is amazing. That's a really, it's a really fantastic festival. We did um, some performance of the early first draft of Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death at Last Word, didn't we? Yeah. Um, back in 2018, maybe. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's a fantastic festival. So yeah, get yourself down to the Roundhouse. What else have you got, Matt? So they're the five events that I've picked out, although there are tons, obviously, to keep your eye on. Uh, in terms of content, I'm going to tweet out a little bundle of links because April was National Poetry Month in the US and there were some incredible features, especially a website called Colour Lines. They had, like, five queer poets to watch, five black poets to watch, and there were just loads of great features um, from the US and some from Canada as well. So I'll tweet out a little bundle um, over the next day or two so you can have a look at them, but they're all on the Nymphs and Fugs uh, Twitter feed as well. Uh, there's a poet called James McDermott, who we featured before. Uh, he released a collection last year called Manatomy, and he's got a poem film coming out, which is loads of uh, beautiful cinematography with the poems over the top. That's going to be published by InCrowd on the 22nd of May, but you can watch some of the previews now. So if you just follow James McDermott, uh, it's a poem film of his collection Manatomy, which has been lauded by people from Andrew McMillan to Stephen Fry. So that, that, I think that's going to be really exciting. That sounds amazing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, it was Stephen Lawrence Day, um, and they published a poem called A Legacy of Change, which is co-written by Benjamin Zephaniah and Max Cyrus. It's got a whole host of people reading the poem on the video, but it was just such a powerful piece, and um, it's mad to think that Stephen Lawrence, uh, the murder of Stephen Lawrence was what like 30 nearly nearly 30 years ago now mm. um and a lot of these arguments are still not being heard but this poem was just a really great way to sort of bring it to the forefront again and obviously in the current climate with george floyd and everything i just think it's really important so check that poem out it's called a legacy of change um we're going to feature a clip from this later on so words first recently released a video with some of their previous winners and the theme is poetry as protest um Sally katebi is one of those and we're going to feature Sally's piece later on but you just got, you got to check it out. It's on the Words First website. Words First is uh, is from the BBC, and just this interview of young artists speaking about poetry as protest. It's really uh, giving me a bit of hope where there's not a lot of hope elsewhere in, in the pol political world right now. Um, and then the last thing I want to shout out about in terms of content. There's a poet called Izzy Britton. Uh, it's Britton with two Ts. And she's been writing a series of really short lockdown poems. And her flatmate is a photographer. So on Instagram, they combine the photographs with the poetry, which I know is not a new idea, but the way that Izzy does it, it's just beautiful. And her poems are really, really good. There's been a lot of lockdown poetry out there. Not all of it's great, but like Izzy's amazing. So check out Izzy Britton on uh, Instagram. Uh, some of them are on Twitter, but check it out on Instagram. It's really, really good. It's Insta poetry at its best, I would say. Um, and then in terms of five releases, um, there's a new collection on Burning Eye by an artist called Desiree. It's called I Find My Strength in Simple Things. That's been uh, caused a lot of buzz this week, like Joelle Taylor in particular has been shouting about it. It's a vital addition to the spoken word scene, Desiree on Burning Eye Books. That's out this week, I believe. Um, Pavilion Poetry have just published a hat-trick of pamphlets uh, two of them are by Alice Hiller that's Bird of Water and What Fire and then also Bloom by Sarah Westcott as well that's on Pavilion Poetry they're a great um, sort of like political poetry organisation from Liverpool um, Rock Song by Dr Golnoosh Noor 
on is just about available to pre-order on Verve. I love what Verve do and Dr. Golnushnor, um from what I've seen, their poetry is just incredible. So I'm really looking forward to that collection. Elizabeth Jane Burnett of C is out this week on Pending the Margins. And then Honorifics by Cynthia Miller is available to pre-order now on Nine Archers Press. So much good poetry coming out. I mean, it was difficult for me to whittle it down to five, to be honest. But um, I don't know if I'm just more aware of it or what, but it, it feels like there's like three or four really powerful collections coming out every week at the moment. It's really exciting, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's really exciting. I'm really, yeah, really exciting. I'm loving it. Loving it. Go, poets, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we've got a contribution now, haven't we? Yeah, we have. So this is a poet called um, Romina Ramos. Uh, she was born in Portugal. She's based in Manchester. Uh, she was shortlisted for the Murky Books New Writers Prize uh, last year. Amazing. Um, and I basically came across Romina's work through Instagram. So on the Nymphs and Fugs Instagram feed, I invite submissions of just little excerpts of poems. And I get I get entries from around the world. We've been doing it for a few years now. Um, it's the the current wait time to get something published is like twelve weeks, so it's really really busy. And every now and again, something comes along and I, it blows me away. And Romina Ramos sent me a little excerpt from this poem, um, so we're going to hear that now. Uh, this is by Romina Ramos. My name is Romina Ramos, and this is Accrington Bricks. You can replace generations of run-down council estate bones with affluent neighbourhoods and white picket smiles, but you will still find dog shit on the floor. You can take the people out of the hood, but we will take it with us and leave you with its skeletons. We will not go down without a song. This is our anthem. We are the soul of this city. Our backbones are made from Accrington bricks and ale. And we will drink every pond dry until you let us mourn our mothers and sisters. The Caribbean food shacks drowned out by beetroot brownies and oat milk lattes. You can wash away uncle's balty houses, but these streets will always smell like us. They will always taste like us. We are the factories and farmhands and cleaners. We are the lungs of these towns, polluted with your yucca bars and cheese boards. If we die, does that make you cancerous? We see your glass towers and raise you a pile of stones, each carved with a ghost. We will build new homes with our fragments, and in any case, Glass always cracks in the end. I am a professional optimist with pessimistic tendencies. I like long walks in my least favorite neighborhoods. I hate spinach and wear my heart around a wreath. I am friend turned guest, turned memory, turned action figure, with all the right fingers on the wrong hand holding the assumption that history is written in bold choices. I wrestle the voices in my head and hold gatherings to hear laughter in lieu of violence. Revolution led us here, the after party to a century's worth of tears where we toast to the turning of the tide where we circumnavigate the quiet in all its slanted gravity, perfect the syllable and split the weight of history between our tongues. Conversation is an ugly affair with beautiful consequences. 
Generations have grown grey playing at war, where everybody loses. Where everyone buries the name and all the chains that we came with still playing the same music. Isn't it beautiful when everyone learns the words to communal prayer? When everybody listens before dissolving into collateral rabbit holes, confusing science for sense, lecturing lacerations on the theory of blood, one man's physics is another man's fantasy, and therein lies the labyrinth. Where is the after ever after we asked for? Great-grandchildren will visit our memory. Let's give them something to be proud of. What do we want? When do we want it? And they'll have their own answers. Ramina Ramos with Accrington Brick, followed by Sile Katebi uh, with his piece from the, the, the BBC Words First um, project and Selena, you can tell us more about Sally's piece. Yeah, I um I discovered it um on his Instagram. I love that that I was just kind of flicking through, and there he was, just being absolutely stunning, stunning piece of work. Portrait of the poet as protest explores the relationship between activism and connection, being aware of the need for both action as well as spaces for authentic dialogue towards equality and progress. The piece portrays Katebi's reflections through conversations both internal and with the world around him. Sali Katebi is a Zambian-born writer, performer and workshop facilitator based in the southwest of England. The last time I did a gig was February 2019? 2020, the 22nd of February 2020. It's the last time I did a gig and it was with Sally. So it felt really fitting that Sally should be on our first show back in the studio. Thanks for sending that in. Um, I love both of those pieces of poetry so much. Brilliant. Okay, what's next? Next up, we have Khalees with a Trick Me. This is it. Thank you. 
Don't you check me twice Well, I paid my dues for all that I've done And I showed you that I loved you more than once There's nothing left there to decide
when I look out my window. What do you think I see? And when I look in my window, so many different people to be. It's strange. Sure is strange. You got to pick up every stitch. You got to pick up. Hello, welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. I'm Emma Rose and that was Donovan with Season of the Witch. Um, I don't know why I said it in that way, <laughs> but I did. Basically, um, this is quite an exciting time really, isn't it? Because things are gen- gingerly, tenderly opening up um, after a long, long, long time of uh, lockdown, I think, Really, when you look at it, it's been about six, seven months of real restrictions. And what's exciting for me is that this means that finally museums and um, public art spaces are opening. Um, There's two things I wanted to kind of highlight about this. One, there are some shows which basically have existed mainly in lockdown. You know, they opened for a couple of weeks, closed again, just because the way things kind of turned out um and so there are some shows that may be ending soon um and there are some shows that you may think have ended that are still open um and there are some things that are opening up with the opening up which is really exciting at the V&A one show that I'm really excited about is Alice Curiouser and Curiouser which is a take on Alice in Wonderland essentially we're kind of I think in terms of the conversation surrounding Alice, we are kind of walking away from Lewis Carroll and his strange predilections, of which we, you know, have been discussed at length, and kind of looking at Alice, the real Alice as a person who was really interesting, and Alice as um, has, who has kind of transcended her roots and become something of a feminist icon a countercultural icon it's like whenever you look at alice in wonderland what are we looking at um it's like uh surrealist psychedelic music jefferson airplane um alternative thought it's a way it's a conduit to talk about mental illness for a lot of people and about psychedelics and mental health it's it's kind of it's really it's a story that's kind of taken on its own life and the real Alice was really interesting and she is explored in this show as well. And um, so the show is kind of looking at that role of Alice uh, in counterculture and why she comes up from time to time to time, usually at times like this. Um, and this whole kind of um, metaphor of through the looking glass, what does through the looking glass mean? And I think this is uh, a coincidentally timely show as we all step through the looking glass <laughs> into the unknown. Um, yes, yeah, so I'm really, I, I'm a big fan of Alice and 
So I think that exhibition at the V&A opening on the 22nd of May should be a really interesting show. There's also the bags show on there. If you love fashion, go and see some bags. It's meant to be really good. Um, and the other thing that's there, which should be really lovely, is Epic Iran opening on the 29th of May, which is going to be looking at Iranian art and design. And it's just, you know beautiful wonderful and i can't wait to see that one that's exciting um another sh one show that i think is going to be open for a little bit long yeah is reopening because i'm looking at the tate now tate modern is zanele maholi which was she uh, they are south african uh photographer looking at queerness and gender identity and this show, fantastic show, groundbreaking show, really, uh, main show at Tate Modern, kind of has been opening and shutting, you know, it's, uh, who knows? Like, I didn't manage to see it, and it's my job. <laughs> but um, lots of, it's one of those shows that it's like, it is still open, you can still see it. It was an important show, and it's a shame that it happened to take place during this time when, you know, it's very difficult to get in and into museums. Um so that's going to be reopening and that's quite exciting. So I think it's uh, but just for a couple of weeks, so just until the 31st of May. Uh, and another wonderful show is Tate Britain and this is Lynette Yiden Boaki. This is an amazing show, a portraiture show of um, mainly black, all actually, um, black people. Um, but the thing is, with her, they are never people. They are from... Her, they're not portraits. They're pictures of people from her imagination. And there's a lot of kind of... She's just a kind of, like, masterful painter. If you just want to go and see a really amazing painting show, I suggest you go and see this. And she focuses a lot on dancers and just kind of elegance. And they're just very beautiful, big gorgeous paintings that's also on until may 31st highly recommend that if you're in liverpool don mccullen a mate you know documentary photographer of your his show is that's actually on until september 200 photographs of liverpool in the north and his conflict photography captured over the last 60 years that's kind of timely as we step out of our london-centric way of thinking and at tate's and ives it's yay Sorry, I, this is I have not ever said this before. Haig Yang, Strange Attractors, which is um, a South Korean artist. So much amazing stuff coming out of South Korea, um, and so that's happening at Tate St Ives. Bear with me as we approach the National Gallery. If you love your classics, this is a place to go. So basically, the current exhibition, Sensing the Unseen, of Gossett's Adoration. That's uh, on opening up with the opening up. Conversations with God, Jan Mateko's Copernicus. And that's going to be running for the 21st of May till August 22nd. Um, and opening in July, you've got Bellotto, the Coniston Views Reunited. So that will be really beautiful and just some gorgeous classic art for you there. And also with the National Gallery comes their free, you know, our priceless free access public collections. So you can pop in and pop out. 
just go and see one walk out. It's so <laughs> such a kind of lucky thing. I travel so much for my job. And one thing that I learned pretty early on is that nowhere else has free museums. <laughs> 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 so it's like make the most of it. Like the, the fact that we can pop into a museum here and see after you have a look at your favourite painting and go home is really, really, really unique. And, and how, how are you enjoyed. finding it going back into museums again and galleries again? It's quite, um, I would say it's quite weird. I, it's strange with it being empty. I'm definitely someone I've realised that likes the vibe of a place. Right. It, for want of a better term, I use that word far too much, the terrible word. But, <laughs> I get but, it though. <laughs> yeah. And the vibe is people. Then yeah. I realised that. I remember going to the first time going to a restaurant and being like, oh, I'm really excited. And then being like, but it doesn't feel like I'm out. Mm-hmm. And then because there were no, no people there. Mm-hmm. And it's that buzz that I'm really missing and looking forward to. And um, But just seeing art. One thing I've noticed is everything is heightened. Like my senses are heightened. Um, went to a small birthday party, six people birthday party, <laughs> garden party the other day. And again, that was just very overwhelming seeing friends in the very nice way. But witnessing art when you've been starved of sensory experience is quite wonderful. Oh, well, that's just beautiful. So make sure you go to some of those shows. Yeah. Do you have any more for us? Yeah, I've got a couple more. One that I think you'll be interested in, Jennifer Packer, that I is not satisfied with seeing. And that is a, um amazing painting show that, again, was the victim of this kind of in-and-out lockdown thing. Wonderful black painter from the Harlem School. Uh, really just stunning paintings, huge. A lot of portraiture, some wonderful portraits of bouquets for... Um, people who have been killed by the police but just just really wonderful classical painting and then opening up on the 19th of may is james barner uh, accra london a retrospective and this is um, a british Ghanaian photographer james barner who i think also had the cover of vogue british vogue and it's just looking back at his portraits of london and there are some really and and of accra but just some really wonderful portraits of black london black and white so from kind of early doors up to present day and really, really kind of beautiful, fun things and just really nice to see images. I remember because I was always into vintage fashion, I was always struggling to find images of black people in vintage fashion as if there were no black people then yeah. wearing clothes. <laughs> and I always really struggled. And so this is like, like, this is like you can see 60s London yeah. and actually see it. So I kind of always love that. Okay. Um, but I'm going to come back and talk a little bit about the Turner Prize. But before we do that, um, this is Annie Freud, who I spent the week with um, this week working on a project. She has recorded a book, uh, an excerpt from her book, Hidden Zay, which is out on Picador. I love Annie Freud. I'm excited to hear this. Hello, um, I shall read Cobra Mist from my new collection, Hidden Zane. Cobra Mist was the code name for an Anglo-American experimental over-the-horizon radar station at Orford Ness, Suffolk. And I dedicate this reading to my dear friend, Amma Rose Abrams. Cobra Mist. Why did Cobra Mist never work as it should? And why were its defects so difficult to cure? 
Some say it was jammed by the radio hams, filling the sky with their endless clutter. And while they blamed the Russian woodpeckers, we put it down to the Rendlesham UFO, and others speculated in the gaps. The sea is a great amplifier. Grammams, Gloucesters, Boltons, Brewsters, all flew here and dropped their bombs. And even the bombs had names. Blue Peacock, Blue Streak, Blue Danube, Yellow Sun, Brown Bunny, Red Beard, Violet Club, and were subject to stress and strain like us. That was a reading from Annie, recorded this week um, in Dorset with um, some background singing for some lovely crows there. <laughs> uh, and now we're going to have a track by Black Midi. This is called Slow. <laughs>
Welcome back. Um, so that was Black Midi with Slow. As Selena pointed out, it's quite fast. It was giving me an anxiety attack. <laughs> I think I'm just too sensitive at the moment. I, I was th- like I listening think... to that. That's not slow at all. <laughs> Trace description. <laughs> Very out of order. I've come back just to kind of quickly talk to you a little bit because the Turner Prize shortlist has been announced and it's oh, it always kind of um, stimulates conversation, which I think is great, but um, because it's all collectives. Um, I don't know if you remember, but for the last Turner Prize, all nominees came together and accepted the prize as a group because they felt like everyone nominated deserved to win. Um so basically um that kind of spurred a lot of conversation and this time it's all collective so every single nomination is of a collective um and it's kind of we'll talk a bit about it after i introduce the collectives but it's um it's all kind of work focused on the kind of it's like the activist space or at least the socially socio-politically aware space which is interesting um, first up is the Array Collective. They're Belfast-based um, and they create collaborative actions in response to issues affecting Northern Ireland, which obviously we all know it's um, it's it's all happening at the moment, you know, partly Brexit-related, um, partly COVID-related, but it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff happening in Northern Ireland at the moment and despite many reminders and um speakings out been kind of ignored politically it just i mean it feels the sense that people are just kind of watching it happen which you can't can you know can't go on for much longer but um and so their work is like performance performance protest exhibitions and events um they uh were nominated for their kind of fusion of seriousness with humor and um and their recent projects include um, artworks in support of decriminalisation of abortion, challenging legislative discrimination of the queer community and participation in the group exhibition Jerwood Collaborate! Exclamation mark, in London. Next up, Black Obsidian Sound System. It's a London-based collective which works across art, sound and radical activism uh, formed by... Um, queer, trans, intersex, black and people of colour um, B-O-S-S challenges the dominant forms dominant norms of sound system culture across the African diaspora through club nights, art installation technical workshops and creative commissions so just to kind of deconstruct that slightly from the art lingo <laughs> I think that is basically it's, um, it's representation of queer and trans and intersex black people in club culture and in music culture in the African diaspora, which people can find tough. It's not always been that accepting. So that's quite interesting. I think that their recent projects um, listed here uh, include something at Somerset House, something a film collect- a film commission for Lux, and um, Collective Harm, documenting the polyphony collectivity, so sound. Um the jewellery praised Boss's live performance and their commitment to community, including a 20, an online 24-hour fundraising rave organised by members of the collective. Cooking Sections is a London-based duo who've always been doing quite interesting stuff for a while. They use food 
um, installation, performance and video and um, they try and overlap boundaries between art, architecture, ecology and geopolitics. Um, they have uh, been awarded because mainly because of their um, long-term project asking how diet can respond to the climate emergency and recent work has included a sound, light, sculpture installation at Tate Britain, which I saw amazingly in 2020 really beautiful um, installation at the art now section reflecting on salmon farming uh, next up is gentle radical um, they are a project based in cardiff run by artists community workers performers faith practitioners and writers advocating for art as a tool for social change they have been commended for their project doorstep revolution which um it's a project sharing neighbourhood stories in lockdown and the Gentle Radical Film Club, a pop-up cinema space for diverse communities to engage in dialogues. Um, next up, um, Project Artworks. Project Artworks is a collective of neurodiverse artists, just um, unless you're unfamiliar with the term. Uh, neurodiverse can mean anyone from, from having autism, ADHD, um, it's just anyone who is neurodiverse, like literally very kind of straightforward there. And um, basically their projects is exhibitions, films, events and digital platforms. They have been commended for their work, including the film Illuminating the Wilderness 2019, which follows the members of the collective with their families and carers exploring a remote Scottish glen. Um, you will notice that every single one of these groups is... It's an act is kind of strong activist leanings, and I'm really interested at the moment. It's coming up quite a lot about art and why these conversations are happening in the art world. It seems artists are gravitating towards making this work, but also I feel like artists have always made work um, with the community. Mm -hmm. It's also um, a way of people to earn a living um, doing making artwork that works with in social care and and stuff like that but um i wondered if you what you guys thought about because poetry's always been a space where these conversations happen but why do you think these conversations are happening in the art world what is it about this space which is facilitating conversations which frankly i find very difficult to have at, at the moment you know there's very little space for them I think art and poetry and music has always um, echoed what's going on in society and what's going on in the community, um, like from going way, way back, way, way back, before hashtags, before the internet, before anything. I mean, Billie Holiday is Me Too, before Me Too was a Me Too, yeah. you know. So I kind of feel that's what the role of art and artists and musicians and poets tends to be, to tell the story, to narrate the times, to be an observer and a narrator and, and to try and um, reach that person that might be able to change change to make the world change to make the world a better place than the one you came into i mean i know i sound idealistic but i think that's the root of a lot of my favorite albums and favorite books they come from a place of someone calling something out i think in the last year maybe the last two or three years artists are sort of um are very aware of the space that they're taking up by creating art and i feel like if you don't have some kind of social or political message, a lot of people will sort of question why you're doing it. As in, like, 
it's if you're going to take up space in a venue or on a bill at an event, like you should use that to highlight something. And I feel like of say like five years ago. I sometimes quite often would be the only political poet on the bill, whereas now you quite often don't have anyone on the bill who's not at least got one poem about politics. So I, I just I think people are a lot more conscious about how they're using their art and how they're using the poetry. But even like RuPaul's Drag Race, like Simone, the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race, made some amazing statements on the on on the on the runway yeah. about like the murder of black people in America and like I feel like in any form of creative expression, activism is now expected rather than, oh, we've got an activist one on next. Do you know what I mean? Mm. People almost used to like not want to book you because they were worried that it was too risky. Mm. Um, so, you, yeah. Do you, yeah. Do you think that that's because um, it became at one point quite difficult to have these conversations in the mainstream media? It's almost like I found it, well, I'm a journalist, but I feel like it was very, it was difficult with the kind of opinion pieces and this kind of relationship between opinion and some elements of the internet, um, things could get really distorted very quickly. And sometimes I felt a little bit like messages got hijacked, perhaps by people who didn't agree with them, like confusing the narrative a little bit. And maybe at least the art world and spaces within the art world are places where you can talk without being interrupted for a little bit like for RuPaul's Drag Race it's a platform mm. where someone just can say what they think and step back and then people can kind of respond to it but then it's not kind of getting um, suppressed in the same way I think we're in a really critical time. I think it's to do with where we are. It's 2021 and certain things just can't go on anymore. Yes. That's basically cold, hard fact is we can't ignore some issues anymore. There's so many um, things we've kind of reached a kind of a, kind of a peak moment right now from, um, you know, uh, I think also it's to do with our age as well. Um, I think... Um, when I look back to when I was 15, I would have loved Greta Thunberg. I would have followed her to the end of the end of the world, to the end of the world, which hmm. is the end of the world. I would have, though, because when I was 15, people didn't listen to 15-year-old girls. So I kind of think there's this huge wave, there's this massive shift happening, and uh, it's hard not to feel it, and it's hard not to want to respond, and to want to help, and to want to feel useful, and to not feel like, you know, where were you... You know, where were you when when it was all kicking off? You know, you wanted, you know, you weren't at home eating your Weetabix. You you were trying to sort of help and help the shift into something better and to to save the planet and to to make make us all sort of come out of this COVID pandemic. And yeah. wow, this has all got really dark and heavy. <laughs> well, <laughs> Sorry, maybe, maybe, it was, maybe we're always going to touch on it. But I yeah. but I agree with Matt. I feel like what Matt's saying is right. It's nice that rather than people going, oh, they're off again. Yeah. Yeah. You know, shh, you know, play, you know, play a song, play the ab, ab break, please. People are being given the space to say what they feel about these things, and in a way, more people seem to agree than disagree when it comes down to it, which is a nice feeling. Mm, but, um, but I've gone schmaltzy. But I do think, I mean, honestly, if I pick up any album or any book that I really love, there is a message in there. It might not be a big, big sort of bold um, cover. Um, that you know, the, a big bold title, which is very popular now, like why I won't talk to white people about race. And then we have, they used to have, you know, sort of a different title, but the message very much the same in there, embedded in so many musicians and so many poets and books that I love and that I grew up on. Even Prince, 
I mean, honestly, I'm trying to think of someone who isn't political <laughs> that I love and, and grew up loving. Anyway, let's get some music on. Yeah, we're going to play um, quite some enough. Tricky. Come yeah. on, Tricky. <laughs> Come on, Tricky's not political. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dark Days yeah. featuring Mina Rose. Dark Days indeed. <laughs> Bat immune response. 
Next now step, you believe a more me. formal model of virus evolution and bat immune systems to better understand the pathology upon spillover to other animal and human hosts. See? Bats? Who are these people? Because of the winged rats. Someone should do something. What about the bats? Yeah, like a wealthy billionaire should... Is this like, about Batman again? No, I was actually thinking about... Because your obsession with him is weird. It's not about the dark night. <laughs> Inura, you need to stop putting your faith in extremely privileged white men. The Batman uses his privilege to help people. No, the Batman uses his privilege to weaponize his childhood fantasy and his white savior complex in tight. No, his parents were killed he twice to stop that happening to anyone. They were innocent victims innocent. who were shot. His father was a billionaire who used his wealth and political connections to eliminate his enemies. He was not innocent. He created a power vacuum which his son inherited and uses to cast a shadow over Gotham, frightening everyone. He frightens people for a reason, uses fear as a weapon because when he was young he fell into a cave and got scared and, and learns the from The legacy and cycle of violence. Any decent psychology student will tell you that a high proportion of abusers were victims of abuse. Batman is abusing civilians. Yet he got scared and so he scares. Psychological trauma 101. The thing is, he's aware. He actually knows all this and still he carries on with billions. Billions. No, he's more nuanced than A billionaire, you know. Hmm. To make that much money? Do you know how many people his father must have exploited? Uh, his boots on the neck of every citizen. Instead of funding public health programs that focus on rehabilitating criminals and crime prevention, better education for children, and after-school programs for the at-risk ones, his son swings around in leather, beating up the poor or intellectually disabled who were driven to crime. Yes, but... And, and the only reason why he lets half his face show is so police officers know he's a white man. No, no. Because if Bruce Wayne was Barack Williams, he'd have been killed a long time ago. I... I yeah. Oh, I never saw it like that. Bruce Wayne would not help. No? No. This is his fault. What? The virus. Well, no. He's not real. But if he was, right, or if the virus was in the comics, he still wouldn't help. So Gotham is a nickname for New York, so if it happened as it did in real New York, then yeah, prob probably not. Fuck. Fuck him. Fuck Batman. Batman? Yeah. No, you mean Bruce Wayne? Him too. He's supposed to be able to help. He's supposed to... All those comics promised that if... What? In comics, they promised. Batman? Yes! The promise was, should one fall into a cave of bats? Should one be engulfed by hundreds of beaten wings? Should one be beaten, scratched, or bitten? One would emerge half human, half invincible enough <laughs> to sharpen fear down to a tight tooth weapon with which to gnaw the criminal urban underworld down to poppy nothings protecting us all. <laughs> what are the you promise about? was should an animal's essence seep into a child. Knowing what damage loose power bruise, he would accept himself as host, his body a fleshy petri dish to guide its mutation to goodness. Instead, the promise turned ravenous. Yeah, I, I'm Leapt yeah. from host to host, country to country, blood to blood, its million teeth chewing through our simple lungs. We closed down our offices, 
it hung on our clothes. We fled from cities, it clung to our cars. We stayed in bed, it came for our dreams. A curdled crown, a rank coronation, a crude corroding of our inner sanctums. Our public spaces, our minute planning, our mapped out futures, horoscopes and forecast, the dark parts of star charts, all empty out to an assiduous stillness, the promise gorging on our numbed lives, our startled terror. And when the promise retreated, it left its fangs in disguise, its claws in our pockets, its foul breath huffed between us in shocking lines, its warning to return should we seize vigilance to claim more from the survived. And there was some brilliance there from Inua Elms. That was a piece that we played. Um, I wanted to do a little recycle there from something from um, show 11. That's Inua Elms reading from, I'm sorry, it's the actual. Yeah, the actual. It was published by Pend in the Margins. Pend in the Margins, that's what I couldn't remember. Pend in the Margins. And um, that piece is called Fuck Batman. And so if that's not political, I don't know what is isn't is isn't okay so coming up next we're going to have a little bit of erica badu and then after that we'll do some book talk more action more excitement more everything
Responsible for lost articles and things. Oh. Okay, so whenever he say a key word, everybody just shout on cue. I love her so much. Okay, coming up next, um, we have a track uh, by Grace. We've had Grace Savage on before, and here she is again with another new exciting single. This is, um, um, uh, for those of you that don't know, Grace Savage is the electro-pop artist, and she's releasing a new single depicting an argument between lovers in a claustrophobic flat. It's written during a heatwave after an argument with her partner in the first lockdown. It's about the intensity of spending 24 hours a day with the person you love in a small flat and the simultaneous feelings of passion and imprisonment that arise in such unnatural circumstances. I love Grace's work. Have a listen to this.
Radio. I'm Catherine Williams and this is a page from the beginning of chapter 4 of my debut novel, The Ormering Tide, published on Wrecking Ball Press. Here we go. Maman was worrying her thumb across her chin. The brothers had not been home for such a long time. She didn't know where they were and it was getting towards dusk. I can feel something's not quite right tonight, she said, rubbing the sides of her hips as if that is where the feeling was. I don't know what it is, but there's a darkness creeping in faster than the night into this kitchen. Her fretting started on other things in the kitchen as she spoke. Plates were lifted onto their shelves, crumbs brushed with their hand into the other hand and tipped into the sink. She turned and looked at me. Maman had these moments. Everyone felt it was a bit dramatic, the way she could be, like an actress had come to play our mother, but gone a bit over the top. But it was as real as any other ailment she got. She really felt these things deep inside her. When bad thoughts happened, it was as if she had been struck by lightning or bitten by an animal or cut by a thorn. The bad thoughts got worse this time of year, as summer slid into autumn, nights drawing in, her thoughts became longer shadows stretching out fears of dark lost pools. She had an invisible string to her children. It could let out like a spider's web, turn corners and not back on itself, but if she ever felt it slacken, she knew it would take over, it would cloud her. Maman's thread had broken a few years before me, when the baby that had been inside her came out dead. I heard them talking about it. That's how I know. I shouldn't have been listening, but I do, over and over, seduced by their soft words to each other. Pops's silent way is a road for Maman's words. Maman always tells us that talking things through tidied a mind. But she shook and her voice trembled that night as I listened in. Only with the steady silent road the pops laid out for her did the words eventually roll out, like her tears. 
I had tiptoed away, hearing her crying, muffled into Pop's shoulder. I had gone back to my room and hugged the pillow on my bed. Beautiful reading there from the great musician um, and now author, Kath Williams, reading from her debut novel, Ormering Tide, which is out now with Wrecking Ball Press. It's a brooding, astonishing debut. It's a beautiful read and just so enchanting. I highly recommend you get to your bookshop, which is now open. Bookshops are open. And um, find Kath Williams' The Ormering Tide. We did play that earlier in lockdown, but I just wanted to revisit that recording because I just thought it was very special um, and so here we are here we are in May 2021 I, my, my book pile is ridiculous so I'm not going to just rapid speed, rapid fire give you a load of titles, I've just picked a few special ones this month um, and you will find some of these books um, at the Roaring Twenties Radio bookshop.org I'll put all the books up that I mentioned on the show and the poet that we feature and then I'll also add more as we go along. So the first book I want to talk to you about is Build Your Home Around My Body. Um, I have the proof copy of this so it's not out yet but it's by Violet Coopersmith and it's a chilling ghost story um, steeped in Vietnamese history. It's a good meaty read, it's a big book but I just wanted to signpost that, I want you to look out for that. It's out on One World and it will be published in July, Build Your House Around My Body which I just think it's such a great title. So that's a book that's re- that I'm really interested in. Out this week, brand new, um, we have Things I Have Withheld, um, which is by Kai Miller. And that's out this week with Canongate. It's a moving collection of essays by the award-winning poet. I highly recommend that. It's a beautiful book um, and powerful. And yeah, just a, such a big fan of Kai. So look out for that one. Proof copy on my desk this month is um, David Keenan, Monument Maker. It's an 800-page Bible. It is massive. David, how dare you? How am I going to read this? It's huge. I'm such a big fan of David's writing, and so I'm really looking forward to the next lockdown. Ha ha. No, I'm looking forward to a really big, rainy, snowy day where I can actually read this, because it's just a giant book. It took him over a decade to write. It's massive. It's as big as um, well, no, actually, I was going to say Alan Moore's Jerusalem, but that's even bigger. But um, yeah, huge, huge um, commitment, and a huge um, what's the word I'm looking for to to finish and to make something like that? It's just a, it's a it's a great it's a great achievement. There's the word achievement. Okay, so attention spans are quite short, or mine is at the moment with so much going on. So I've been getting really into my short stories. My favourite short story collection at the moment is Wendy Erskine. Her short story, Sweet Home, is just brilliant. It's out now on Picador. And also while I'm talking about uh, short stories, also check out Alligator and Other Stories by Dima Alzey. I'm sorry, I've never heard it spoken. So it's Alzeyat. Alzeyat. And that's another really powerful collection of short stories women writing short stories is my has been my favorite sort of theme since since i was last doing roaring 20s radio show i've been really getting into short story reading um and then just to round up have you checked out the new rough trade books new series it's absolutely beautiful it's um teamed up with the garden museum and they're beautiful pamphlets as usual always such amazing 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 looking good looking 
pamphlets. Um, and what's so special about these is they come with seeds. I've been really getting into propagating roses and you know, messing around in my little pots in the yard. And so I was delighted to see that each pamphlet comes with a little little packet of seeds. So that's very, very exciting. Check out Rough Trade Books for their new selection. Okay, so just to round up my book section, let me talk to you about Lisa Luck's debut poetry collection. Absolutely loving this book. It's an examination of the tender violence that pulls in all our states of wanting, from our intimacies to our uprising. This book searches the grief of our longing from the eyes of displacement, carrying her experience in foster care, adoption, and as a mixed heritage daughter of the Arab diaspora. The poems in this collection follow a lesbian love affair as revolution erupts around and within, drawing on old Arabic folk tales, um, and and so um, so much in this book. No, I I'm going to confess I do know Lisa Lux as a friend, and I know that as soon as everything started kicking off, she went straight out to Beirut. So I can imagine quite a lot of this is quite from the heart and and quite autobiographical. I forgot to tell you the title of the book is Fetch Your Mother's Heart. It ultimately grasps what is beyond our reach using powerful imagery, narrative. Um, Sorry, using powerful imagery, narrative, the dinner table and the gods. This is a potent response to our political epoch. I'm just going to echo here. Lem Sisse says it is clear that Lisa Lux is a new force in literature. She is fierce, fearless and fierce. She is fearless and fierce, universal and unique. I highly, highly recommend this book and, and agree wholeheartedly with Lem Sisse there. Let's hear Lisa Lux. Dinner during the week of rage. Sunflower oil sizzles beneath potatoes and cauliflower in the frying pan. Darik is eating Warannab standing up, gas mask round his neck and goggles strapped above his forehead. Water hits the fresh coriander between my fingers pinning each small petal down against my flesh and you giggle about the lasers you picked up to shine in the eyes of the Darak when they come to beat us up again. Mischievous, I say. You limp to the lemon, rubber bullet wound in the back bend of your knee, tahini over each dish, salt, Khamut, Tariq pours sugar in his snanei and we each damn fuck this government in turn and the oil has dried up, the garlic is cooked. I say, let's eat and I'll follow you to Martyr's Square. I get the words for lemon and will die mixed up. Khamut, Rahmut. You squeeze in a little more, as if I didn't add enough. The halloum crisped to crunch. A will-die pip lands on your plate. Sartain. 
And that's Dinner During the Week of Rage by Lisa Lux from her debut poetry collection, Fetch Your Mother's Heart, which is um, out this month with Outspoken Press. Congratulations to Lisa Lux on and thank you for sending that piece. Um, I spotted it in the Telegraph, and so she sent us that um, and then wrote to her and asked her to record it for us, especially for Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. Okay, I'm just going to tell you about a few events and gigs and nice things to look forward to. Um, I'll start with this. So I left the house and I went out and I went to the British Library and this was the first time that I had left my house and gone to meet um, poets and friends and I was so excited. Um, And so we're doing an event with John Higgs. Um, John Higgs in conversation with Robin Ince. It will be the book launch for John Higgs' new book, William Blake versus the World. And other speakers are Kay Tempest, the great Kay Tempest, and Neil Gay the great Neil Gaiman and somebody or other called Selena Gordon, whoever she is. Anyway, this will be broadcast on May the 27th um, from the British Library. It's an amazing lineup, a celebration of the life and work of William Blake. So if you're interested in that, pop over to the British Library website to book your tickets for that. Podcasts and audiobooks and things. I've really got into listening to things, and I'm very excited to discover that the Shakespeare and Co. podcast is back. It's a it's one of my favourite listens. It's always so such a good one for books and 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 great conversation. Um, I was very lucky to launch this with Jenny Fagin um, reading from Luckenbooth, and I read from Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. So please check that out. The latest. Um, uh, episode is with Rosa Rankin G and her amazing book Dreamland, which we featured on the show last week. Okay, gigs and things also happening in May. So um, Matt mentioned the Wow Festival, which is on all month. The other fantastic festival that's happening in May is the Brighton Festival. And the head honcho for that this year is Lem Sisse. Um, I'm doing an event with uh, Mazza and Evie. Uh, I can't remember the date, but if you have a look on my on my um, website, selenagordon.co.uk, you'll find all my dates there. But there's an amazing amount of events and book talks and all kinds of philosophy and art and poetry and music it's a, it's a fantastic lineup um, now top top tip uh, thing that I've noticed this week that got launched this month is the Writers Mosaic it's a new platform for established and new writers um, and it's a very cool website there's going to be interviews there bits of audio bits of um, reviews and all sorts so have a look at that you'll find writers mosaic on instagram and you can also see their really cool new website and it's run by some just amazing people it's a really good um group they've got together to do it. it's gabrielle gabbiosi and colin grant and um and just a whole bunch of people got together and recorded and made all these interviews and and audio and and i think as time goes on it's going to become an amazing um, archive um for for what's going on in black british literature and poetry so I'm very excited so check that out writer's mosaic okay so uh, I'm gonna now just come to a little piece of music that's been sent to me Miss Baby Soul is releasing her new single every day. It's out now and will be available now on all major digital platforms, co-produced with producer Colin Emmanuel. It was written by Miss Baby Soul and was planned as a release after her appearance on The Voice 2020. Don't know if any of you watched uh, Miss Baby Soul on The Voice, but she's st- 
stunning. However, due to the pandemic and various events um, that happened during the lockdown, it gained greater, greater significance. It was written as advice to her nephew, who was four at the time, on becoming a man in these uncertain times infused with the spirit of American college drumline with the emphasis on brass and drums the dynamic of raw hip-hop beats are perfectly um, with her are perfect with her sweet scar influence and vocal melody that's enough of me babbling on let's have a little listen to Miss Baby Soul and her fantastic new single Simple, they'll be fierce to 
Welcome back to Roaring Twenties Radio. I'm Emma Rose and I'm here with Matt and Selena. Hello. Hey. That was Miss Baby Soul. I absolutely love that. She's got so much energy and, uh, and I wish her the best of luck with that new single. Um, you mentioned earlier on, Selena, that your last gig was February 2020 in Birmingham with Siley. So when is your first gig, in-person gig, back? My first, first, real, real, standing up on stage, not having... Okay, so not having a conversation about my book, but just reading my poetry and reading my work will be on... It's on June the 19th at Charleston, which is the, the, the big Charleston Trust House in Sussex. I'm doing my own solo show and I'm going to be reading from all the um, work that I've been writing and my new novel. And I'm so excited. I'm like wringing my hands of excitement as I'm describing it. The tickets go on sale on May the 11th. It's part of the Charleston Festival, which has got John Cooper Clark and um, so many amazing people doing gigs. Um, and I'm very excited about it. Yeah. Uh, Charleston's just like, from an art perspective as well, it's just the most phenomenal kind of house, isn't it? It's like paintings all over the walls. and Yeah, it's amazing. And, and some people have been, you know, very flatteringly sort of comparing Mrs. Death to Orlando and uh, Virginia Woolf. So it sort of feels like it's quite fitting to do my first gig um, there, yeah. Nice. I, I was going to ask, so... Your book, your debut novel came out at the start of a year. Um, in this first couple of months, do you feel like your relationship with Wolf or your perception of Wolf has developed since the book came out? Do you know what I've I've discovered that when I didn't know this because it's only my first novel, when you write a book, uh, people will come and tell you what it's about. So so many of these events I've been doing on Zoom and lockdown gigs and in conversation things, and people start to te- uh, ask questions, which then make me realise how people are um, seeing uh, the characters and how people are um, seeing into sort of the way I've written things. It's much like when, much like the way uh, how I am with my poems when. I first do a poem then when I've been performing it for a few years it takes like a different shape because it's informed by how people have responded and, yeah. and where the inflection goes and where the ups and the downs and the, the volume and yeah yeah so I think I think as a so I'm really looking forward to reading from the book and actually seeing people's eyes and and feeling the vibration and feeling people because at the moment I'm, I'm very much in the dark of how this is landing yeah are there any takes on it that have surprised you like any interpretations or responses of it where they've said something and you've gone oh I didn't realise that I mean obviously it's your book but just like how other people are seeing it yeah, there has, there has. I mean, I've I have had one person um, message me about the language in it and tell me off for swearing, oh. which I just think is amazing because there's not that much swearing in it. I'm like, you really don't know me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Look, I, I really, I really, I really cleaned it up for this one. Yeah, <laughs> bizarre. Um, I was just curious to see, like, because I guess once it's out in the world, it, like you say, like when you start performing a poem, it becomes its own thing. So now mm-hmm. that the book's out in the world, I just wondered if you perceived it in a different way, or I guess I know it's early days, like, but yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, I mean, people are people are really getting their head around the fact that Wolf is non-binary. Yeah, and so that's been um, that's been quite a challenge. Um, it's almost like sticking up for a friend. Yeah, like yeah. I might for like I might for Oakley or yeah. or Connor or any of my non-binary friends, and saying it's they, not he or she. Yeah, and just as I would for a mate. Um, yeah, because a wolf does feel like a friend to me now. Yeah, awesome. 
I was going to ask you, Rose, um, so you've been forced to view exhibitions online for a while. Yeah. Um, now that you go to an in-person exhibition, do you feel like you're viewing VR differently? I definitely do. One major thing that I noticed was how how much you can't not taken for granted but how much i kind of got used to kind of viewing things very quickly i think biggest challenge in my job is remembering and recalling so you kind of you focus when you're going around a show to review it and often you very tight deadlines so you're looking at you know you have to write it up that day or maybe by the following morning a lot of the time so if you're doing that you're just like really focused on capturing what it feels like to look at it because that's what you've got to convey and what I really liked about having a bit of space away and kind of maybe a palate cleanser of of, um, Netflix (laughs) before going back into a gallery was just how impactful was last year I think the first thing I saw was a James Turrell exhibition Lightworks and I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't stop staring at it. Mm. But it was also a wonderful reminder because I think you know we have these wonderful jobs where we get to work with. Um, I mean, that's slightly problematic working in the arts at the moment, but where we get to work with this amazing material and have this amazing familial relationship with the people that we work with and all of that. And you can kind of, um, but it's easy to forget like how wonderful it is and why you do it and I would say standing in front of artworks and remembering what it was like to do that when I was like traipsing around galleries when I was 14 with a notebook and a dream (laughs) was um really amazing and 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 a lovely thing to be reminded of do you think there's been a gear change now in how artists are thinking about their work in a physical space as in do you think they're doing more to capitalize on it being in a physical space I do, I do. I think there were already rumblings around that to do with um, installing work in inventive ways around the digital space, so taking digital art and then making it into a kind of experience for people in the gallery. So I feel like that stuff was already happening. But I do think that people are... One thing that I've noticed really strongly is that people are less obsessed with the white cube. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So people are like, oh, you know, I don't I don't actually need to see art in this really clinical environment that, you know, is so popular. Exactly, yeah. Um, that actually installations in houses or outside, yeah. people are really enjoying it. And that's been really, really nice to see. <clears throat> and um, like people making use of places like Charleston, which is such a sensory experience. Yeah, it's going to be an, an outdoor, it's all outdoors. Wow. Which is just going to be a dream, yeah. And so I think there's that definitely have seen that inventiveness come through. I do feel, without being like a, da- a Debbie Downer, <laughs> uh, I do feel like people are a bit shell-shocked, though. Yeah. And it's still kind of... Um, and so many people have moved, and there is just also... I think people are kind of... There are changes happening, and people are making statements with their work. But I feel like, it, as Selena was saying, it's all quite a slow, cocoon-like hmm. thing. That's cool. it, it really is. And there's there's a reason that um, cocoons are so hard, because if they were really easy, then when the butterflies came out, then their wings wouldn't be strong enough to fly. So the cocoons need to be really hard, and it needs to be... Transition needs to be sort of difficult and take time so that you build up muscle power so then we can all be a kaleidoscope of butterflies. You can tell I've been thinking about this a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. beautiful. <laughs> it's a nice metaphor. Yeah, yeah. But what changes have you noticed in the poetry world, Matt? 
Um, I just think people are thinking about their audience a lot more. Like I was saying earlier, people are thinking, look, if I'm going to take up space, I need to do it for a reason. Like, why, why should I be on this bill? And I think people are just a lot more aware of who might hear their work and the impact it might have on that person in terms of recognising your privilege, in terms of pushing for change, in terms mm -hmm. of increasing diversity. I just feel like you have to think and then think and then think again a lot more than you would do beforehand. Yeah, and with that in mind, what we want to do is, um, going forward from the next show, we want to highlight um, causes or activists, or if you have a hashtag, if you have a campaign, um, a lot of the time the conversation can get diluted online. And so um, in my head I call this push the red button. But I, okay, I don't really mean that. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, you know, because people call it a hot button topic. I'm like, push the push the hot button, nice. you know, and I'm kind of stepping away from the hot button and going, OK, so you've got something that you need to promote. It could be something, you know, like a kind of a local organisation that needs funding. Or it could community be community projects. Yeah. Or somebody abroad who needs to move from where they are and we've seen everything erupt in Bogota do you know somebody in Bogota who needs assistance mm. things like that and there's so many we've got so many problems in the world at the moment and things can get lost in the melee so please we're trying to highlight one or two things a month to give focus to so please if you um, have something that you would like us to give that focus to please send it through to our Twitter at Roaring Twenties Radio or our Instagram you can message it on there and we check it cool and now just to yeah, wrap we up we want to the share show, the platform share the platform share the platform exactly um just to wrap up, um, I think this is our final track. Thanks for listening. We're back. We're live. We're, ha we're happy to be here. We're so happy to be back here. Thank you for tuning in to Roaring Twenties Radio on Soho Radio. When are we back, Matt? Uh, the next episode is on the 5th of June. In the meantime, this will be going out as a podcast wherever you usually get podcasts or at anchor.fm slash Roaring Twenties Radio. Thanks. And here's we're ending with the right with the white stripes. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Blossom, what seems to be the problem? All the ones you tell your troubles to, they don't really care for you. Come and tell me what you're thinking, cause just when the boat is sinking, a little light is blinking, and I will come and rescue you. That's not for you You've been looking all around for years For someone to tell your troubles to Come and sit with me and talk a while Let me see your pretty little smile Put your troubles in a little pile And I will sort them out for you
that's not for you You've been looking all around for years For someone to tell your troubles to Come and sit with me and talk a while Let me see your pretty little smile Put your troubles in a little pile And I will sort them out for you I fall in love with you I think I'm 